So I've been thinking about how to record better introductions for the show, and I've been looking to some of the old masters. It's the Muppet Show with our special guest star, Mr. John Cleese! Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is show number 45. Uh, my name's Aid, and we do have a super special guest on this evening. I think we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about pinhole photography. I just have a little sense going on before we get into the show. Uh, but before we introduce our special guest, Graham, how are you mate? Oh, I'm doing great, Aid. It has been a gorgeous week here in the UK, and it's the time of year where being a gardener really rocks because I'm just out there in my t-shirt and shorts, working on my tan whilst technically doing my job and earning money. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. It's been so hot so hot um, so part of me is envious because i work in an office i did have a great weekend we had a barbecue yesterday and we had the paddling pool out for the kids but part of me is wondering why you wear more clothes to go to work than you do to take self-portraits well you know there's there's good reason for that um complaints i think is the one word answer <laughs> well i complain about your self-portraits all the time <laughs> The things every now and again, I because people like look at my arms and my legs, the parts of my body that are constantly exposed to the sun, and I, I am very brown, unsurprisingly, because I'm out in the sun all the time. So they just assume, oh, you got you know, you have real tolerance for the sun. Um, but on those very rare occasions when a client's not in or anything like that, I think, oh, maybe I'll take my t-shirt off. It's a really hot day. I burn so quickly, and I went, well, put my t-shirt back on for the rest of summer. <laughs> that's that's that done. So um. It's great. As I think I talked about last year, whenever I go to the beach or go to the swimming pool, I have the best farmer's tan ever and day glow white feet uh, with my lovely brown legs. It's a really good look, um, which I've already got going on. So, yeah. Anyway, that's enough about me and my terrible farmer's tan. Um, Aid, well, you were right. We have got an awesome guest with us this week. And I think this is in some ways a perfect follow on from having Josh on last week because talking to Josh about a young man who's just at the beginning of his career. You know, he's at university and he's starting to get clients and look to the future with that. Today, we have somebody with us who has taken that step and is making a career and a really diverse and interesting career in photography. Um, I can't wait to talk about it. Joining us from Little Vintage Photography, it's Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, guys. Lovely to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, I can't remember where or what I first saw you um, sharing because it's Instagram that we know you through. You share all sorts of lovely stuff on there. Um, and your business is quite diverse. You do quite a lot of different things. So it's almost hard to know where to start. But I suppose a, a good spot, a good spot is just um, a short background into how you got into making photography your um career now because it hasn't always been your career has it uh no no it hasn't um basically it started um i guess i I'm, well i realized that i was uh, about 10 30 and decided that i was going to buy myself a uh, a digital camera um to uh to kind of go actually yeah we've we're back to uh, enjoying that again 
um, I, I recently lost my mum at the time and, and I kind of used it as a bit of a, a crutch, I guess. You know, it was a, bit, a way of um, trying to sort of connect with uh, the world around me and I was using it a little bit as a, um, a way of kind of trying to capture everything, hang, hang on to everything and, and what have you. And, um, and I realised that I'd gone away to, uh, to Scotland and had this beautiful week there taking photos of everything there and I came back and I got thousands of photos and I thought... Um, I've never even looked back at them, to be honest. And I thought, um, what I'm really missing is the tactileness of of being back in the dark room and mixing in chemicals and uh, you know the sort of um, the physical printing side of things as well, um, and and the fun. And I think I just realised that actually um, the fun side of photography was something that was lacking for me at that point and I thought no I need to get back to analog and uh, back to film and uh, and experimenting and trying some things out really so that's kind of how it all started really for me and um so photography had, by the sounds of it been part of your life beforehand that you'd moved away from Yes, so um, I, well, my dad, my dad was in the in the RAF, and uh, he he was a photographer. Um, learned learned his trade uh, when he was in the RAF, and then I think I was about three. He basically came home and was like, "Right, okay, you're old enough to learn how to make photos." <laughs> so uh, uh, there I was, you know, in the little box bedroom. He was like, "Okay, so we shut everything off, and we get, you know, and we can basically make some pinhole photographs." Um, and somewhere in my my mum and dad's house, there is um, a photograph of a feather. Um, that my mum wrote on the back. Rachel's first photograph, age three. That's <laughs> so, awesome. Uh, I will have to dig that out. I, I've been trying to get my dad to fish it out of the attic or wherever it is now. So, uh, so yeah. So it kind of started started there, and it was basically my dad's fault. Uh, kind of getting into photography, I guess. Um, he uh, he worked for um, uh, sort of British, British Aerospace and uh, ended up working in one of the labs and and things. So um, I remember him coming home when I was about six and saying that somebody sent in some photographs of the Loch Ness monster for them to verify. <laughs> and I just thought, how amazing is that? You know, my little six-year-old imagination was just going wild over this. So uh, I was like, that's amazing. My dad's like checking out the Loch Ness monster. So, uh, so yeah, it was always held quite a lot of um, magic for me, I guess, um, photography. Um, and I went to art college and did my A-level um, photography. So that was lovely. That was kind of my happiest time, I suppose, in terms of that, you know, being in the dark room, uh, messing around printing things, doing projections, all sorts of, you know, that kind of art school stuff. Um, and that was at the point where digital then started to come in. Um, so my dad sold all his old camera kit so we could buy we could buy a you know a bit of a crappy sort of digital camera um and now I'm like oh god I just feel so <laughs> awful that it's all these lovely lenses and the bodies and everything all obviously got sold off because it's what you had to do at the time um uh but anyway so uh so we've got the the digital camera and uh, I'm finished my A level and what have you but uh but yeah we were at that sort of transition period where actually it started to go to to um digital at that point um, although I did learn uh, radio production on uh, the reel-to-reel uh, as well. The razor blade makes me sound absolutely ancient. So <laughs> we've got your two reels of uh, of your, your obviously your audio recording. So uh, we'd be doing the podcast analog as well, guys. <laughs> um, and, I just think uh, we should definitely. invest in that, definitely. <laughs> 
have you ever had a go at doing that have you guys ever tried <clears throat> the closest i ever came was as a child uh, me and my bezo mate um sitting in the bedroom making our own radio stations uh, purely for our own entertainment i mean it's much the same as they now do now really um <laughs> the quality was if anything slightly lower but uh yeah that's that's as close as it gets oh yeah I, I just thought it was so much fun really you know going oh we've got your reel on one side your reel on the other you've got your razor blade you've got your bit of sellotape you stick it back together and there you go there's your program so uh so that was kind of how i learned that um and then went off to uh to do in um video production ended up running the technical department at um the like the local university in liverpool and um and was there for quite a few years and then went to run the video production company in staffordshire for a little bit but got made redundant from that and that was about 18 months ago now so i'd already kind of come to the conclusion that i wanted to you know to set up little vintage photography and i was doing that sort of part-time or two full-time jobs you know what it's like um but uh, but then obviously unfortunately it got made redundant and thought well it wasn't so much a, a leap of faith more of a falling off the edge of a cliff without a, a parachute but um, but yeah that's how I've ended up doing what I'm doing today and uh, kind of just ran with it really um, and it's been a fantastic journey so far so uh, yeah I'm thoroughly enjoying it it's honestly the happiest I've been in terms of my career ever I think so yeah that's all good. Did that answer the question? <laughs> yes, it did. It really did. <laughs> I have what a question, a... though, which I think might uh, might end up with another longer answer. Because I know you and Graham have talked a little bit prior to recording with us today. But um, I, t- tell me, what exactly is Little Vintage Photography? Okay, so um, I set it up to be um, a bit of a case of <laughs> um, half education, half entertainment. Um, the idea being that it was about exploring analog photography in all of its various interesting um, unique forms um, and uh, trying to make a living from either running workshops um, doing some uh, wedding photography um, working in heritage and um, history um, that kind of thing as well because I find that really fascinating and generally kind of wearing lots of different hats but finding some way of, of um, getting analog photography out there in into uh, people's lives I think uh, sort of like a sneaky ninja <laughs> I'm like ah, there's a way we can do this with old cameras and maybe with a bit of new tech and things um, the other side of, um, of it that I love is um, the STEM side so the science technology engineering and maths as well and I'm really passionate about getting um, especially more women into and girls into the STEM subjects because of the severe deficit of this uh, at the moment and uh, and actually the lovely thing about especially analog photography is that it literally covers all of those areas but with a very artistic and creative output as well so uh, so it's a lovely way of tying those two things together that's awesome the um i think it'd be really good to talk about whilst we're talking about the um the educational side of things because you do a lot of work with schools don't you Yes, um, schools and, and sort of community groups um, and uh, in general kind of education, um, I, I suppose, you know, things like working with the Open Eye Gallery. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been to the Open Eye Gallery because that's based in Liverpool. No, it's um, up north, so no. Yeah, um, uh, fantastic gallery and they, they got in touch and, you know, they obviously run educational parts of what they do as well. It's the same with lots of other institutions and I guess it's just about being um, 
a bit creative about how how you end up doing that you know uh, uh, I work quite a lot with a social enterprise called We Heart Tech who are basically as the name says it's about um, using technology for social good and things like that um, so there comes me along going oh well we can use uh, analog as well you know and we can sort of um, create a, a path from um, you know learning the principles of it to what we use today in terms of technology and there's a there's a link through with that um, and people like Liverpool Girl Geeks as well who are great and uh, uh, again getting people into tech and things so um, it's uh, it's schools it's right from you know age three um, uh, you know I was like well if I was making photos at three then I'm sure somebody else can be um, uh, all the way up to you know great grandma who's going oh yeah I used to have that old camera and oh yeah I remember my mum and dad taking photos of this you know that kind of thing which is lovely because it's so diverse in terms of age and you know everything really um, so yeah that's what I do. <clears throat> so one of the most distinctive things about the stuff that you do um, or this side of it is Rosie um, she, she seems to be an integral part of a lot of what you're doing with this education. Uh, could you talk to us about, well, one, I suppose, what Rosie is and, and how she factors into it and how you use her? So, um, so Rosie is my um, little vintage photography uh, caravan. And uh, I basically use her she's she does a good job she she's used for lots and lots of different things um I realized that I needed some way of getting what I was doing out there shall we say so um I thought okay I'm redundant I haven't got any money to set up like a studio or anything like that so I was like I will take a mobile studio um originally I was thinking I would uh, get something like a camper van or something and then I realized that actually I maybe need something with a slightly more reliable engine. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll just uh, I'll use my uh, my own normal car and um, stick a tow bar on the back. And uh, if I get a little caravan, then it means I can take her around. So she works as a caravan obscura. Um, she works as a studio space, uh, a workshop space. Um, there's a, there is a little portable toilet that you can take out of the toilet. <laughs> um, I can stand in the toilet and use it as my dark room. <laughs> <laughs> that caravan um, does not look very big. Bearing in mind, I was going to say, bearing in mind, she's about 10 foot long <laughs> in total, the caravan. Um, so it's it's a challenge, um, but never let it be said that I'm not one, you know, I'm one to shy away from a challenge. So, um, so yeah, so that was that's always been quite good fun oh and um the door got stuck so i ended up <laughs> to, to, in order to get into the the dark room uh, i was uh, i was at a festival running some workshops and things um and i had to have my assistant li literally come back every uh, five minutes and check that i wasn't like either stuck <laughs> in the dark room <laughs> or let me out or, or basically shut me in lock me in kind of thing so that was always fun um so yeah so uh, like i say she uh, she works well for lots of things and then obviously on the entertainment side of it um i use her a lot as a photo booth as well so it gives that um opportunity for the commercial side of things for me to to be able to address that as well um you know hire her out for uh, exhibition launches weddings events you know all sorts of things uh when people would like you know um somebody who can turn up and uh, rather than a sort of the plastic pop-up you know things that you see uh she's a, a genuine you know uh article if you like and uh, and you get a real photographer with her yay me <laughs> so uh, so yeah that's what i do with raising <clears throat> 
How has it been? I mean, you say you're 18 months into this now. How has it been building up a, a fairly unique business model? Um, has it been a difficult getting the balls rolling on that? Or did you have contacts that made it a little bit easy to start off? Um, it, it's It's been tough. Yeah, it has been tough. It's uh, it's been such a roller coaster, and um, like I said at the beginning, honestly, I've, I've genuinely never been happier with what I'm doing, and it's so nice to kind of like be able to wake up and go, actually, yeah, you know, I'm doing all of this varied stuff now. Um, no two days are the same, which is lovely. Um, and uh, you know, I walk into these places and think, oh, well, what's today's challenge? Um, but yes, it's re- it is really difficult, and uh, when you're, you know pay the bills put food on the table you know and what have you as well it, there's obviously that added added pressure of uh, knowing that you do need to make it com- commercially viable as well and I think that's partly why I've ended up becoming so diverse with what I with what I'm doing it's kind of a case of oh if you've got a project or an idea in mind I, I can tailor it to work you know I'll, I will figure something out to make that uh, an option or a possibility or what have you so um so yeah I'm not really one to sort of like stand still and, and just sort of wait for it to come to me I thought might as well put it out there and see see where things go so uh, so yeah so um, that's where I am at the moment I know you you do um, wedding photography is certainly one of the many strings to your bow um, uh, is do you have any particular um, preference as to the kind of stuff that you want to be doing with your time or are you are you really just happy doing whichever one needs to be done at the time I guess it is, uh, what, you know, whatever somebody comes to me and says, I've got this lovely idea or, or you know, they're, or they're really on board with uh, wanting these, you know, obviously I turn up with my with my old cameras as well as my digital. I I think we were talking yesterday, weren't we, about um, about the sort of balance, the ratio of how, of how that works. And, and I suppose um, something that I would like to do is, is to bring more of that ratio in as analog. Um, you know, with wedding photography, you kind of just need to get the shots in the bag a lot of the time. So, uh, so I, I use my digital a lot for that. Um, but what I like about it is that, you know, especially things like pre-wedding shoot. You know, people do uh, engagement shoots and things now. You've got a little bit more time there. Or it's a bit more relaxed. You're able to go and get a few of those really extra special shots. You know, using the older cameras. Um, use my analog um, bits and pieces so so that's really nice because it keeps it it keeps it varied for me and makes it feel more um, more artistic and more creative I guess from my my side of things too you seem to be very proactive um, in, in, in just doing things to get yourself out there and keep yourself engaged I'm, I'm looking at one of the things on your website in particular is the work you did shooting stills on the um, production for the film Sunset Rose um, yes. Could you talk to us a bit about how that came about and and what yeah how you got involved and what you were doing there? Uh, yeah, uh, I actually I think I, I think I put those ones up today. I did put those ones up today. Um, and uh, this is a it was a film noir uh, set in 1940s America, um, but it was being shot in London on the East India Docks. And actually, the DOP um, is uh, it was a former student of mine, um, Suzanne Smith, and she's fan- she just spent some fantastic work. And she basically got in touch and said, "I've seen what you've been doing with." little vintage photography um we're shooting this 1940s um film noir on 16 mil 
um, really excited about this. We want to put it into Analogica Festival, etc. Um, would you come and do some production stills for me, uh, for us on it? And I was like, absolutely, <laughs> I will be there. Um, and it was it was a fantastic shoot. The lovely crew of people absolutely threw it down. I mean, it <laughs> rained so hard. You probably would see it actually in the, in the images as well, but it was just a nightmare. Um, the, yeah, it, it was basically in this diner down on the uh down on the docks and uh and that was you know sort of like all shot in one room kind of thing and i took along my uh my roliflex and my om30 i have an om30 not an om1 i was i've been looking for an om1 <laughs> everyone's down with an om1 it's a thing to aim for yeah absolutely um and you know my um disposable ilford and you know all sorts of things so it's a, it's a bit of a of a, a selection of uh, different cameras, just you know, to see what sort of effects would come out really. Um, and uh, you, it, it's quite interesting to go through and go, oh, I wonder which one that one shot on, you know, as well. You you might be able to you'll have to go through and have a look and see if you can tell. I think mm. you probably. Think. Do you know, what? I'm 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 really jealous of this because uh, you know uh, you know me with my uh, fascination for lighting, I've always wanted to shoot on a film set. Uh, yes, because you, you almost you, 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 the the lighting is all set up and you, you know and 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 of course you know being a film production you have you know that much more opportunity to 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 get things absolutely right and uh, I've yeah so I am very very envious of of doing that I wish I could have a chance to do something like that. It, it was it was absolutely wonderful and uh, it was it was over too quick you know it was one of those I was like oh no now I've got to get back on the train and head back off again um I did have a go I think I did I did put it up in the end um I thought right well as it's film noir we might as well have a go with um a bit of uh, the you know the sort of beauty shots in terms of the soft focus and what have you so I didn't actually do it on any on the late on the uh, the female character but I did put a little bit of Vaseline, you know, uh, on uh, on a little piece of perspex, put it in front of the lens, so I could have a little go and see if we could get a, a soft focus shot. And it came out really soft, um, and it looks fab. I think it's got um, it's outside the the diner, looking back at it, and there's there's the backlit silhouette um, of somebody with the umbrella. Yes, yeah. yeah. I was just yeah. looking at that one when you said, yeah. Yeah, that's actually Vaseline on on wasn't on the lens, but uh, I was like, well, you know, that's what they used to do. I'll give it a whirl and see see what happens. So it's an interesting effect. The, the yeah. photos really do capture that mood so well. I, I, I can, are you looking at these photos, Aid? Yeah, I am. I'm just now hunting for the one with the that you've just been talking about the soft focus one. I haven't found it yet. <laughs> yeah, they. they I, I, <laughs> ah, yes, I see it. Yes, yeah, good, yeah, absolutely. I think. I think it's uh, use it sparingly. If you're going to go for Vaseline, use it sparingly. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just the life lesson you learn, isn't it? If you're going to use Vaseline, use it sparingly, guys. I mean. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was a fun one to try and uh, try and test that out. Um, and uh, and like I said, I was using the um, Ilford disposable camera as well. Um, which you'll you'll see, obviously, uh, is much much grainier um, on some of, some of these. Um, but yes, so uh, I was I was pleased with how they came out. So that actually that went into the it was in the London Short Film Festival um, last year and uh, Analogica, which is um, an analog uh, film and stills festival as well, which is run in Italy, I think. Um, so we should go to that then, Graham, if it's in Italy. Uh, <laughs> 
because I know that you talked to Tina about uh, reveality and obviously that's one that I've now come across um, and I think she's there at the minute or going or something and she, oh, she's oh. going yes I'm really hoping uh, Tina if you're listening I'm really hoping Tina is going to do a roving reporter job for us on this and report back to us uh, because she thought said she might do so uh, fingers crossed I'm very jealous um, on the subject of festivals um, you've actually been involved with a couple of ones haven't you with your um Oh, was it looking at the the Mersey River Festival? And I think there's another one as well that you've involved in. So what sort of stuff are you doing when you go to these festivals? So um, it's, uh, again, it's really diverse. So there's, I think, one on my website, which is about Wigan Steam Fest. So that was steam as in uh, the STEM subjects, but with the A for the arts as well. Um, So that was, uh, again, an educational one. It was run over, you know, four days uh, in in the October, I think. And uh, basically, I went along with, they hired me, commissioned me to come along with Rosie. So I brought her along as the camera obscura, but also as the little workshop space, taught kids how to make cyanotypes, how to mix the chems, how to um, make pinhole viewers, that kind of thing. It was just great fun. Um, and uh, so that was that was the Wigenstein Fest. And then the other one that you mentioned, I think it was the Mersey International River Festival, and that was through the Open Eye Gallery. So... They'd got in touch and said, actually, we, we, we love what you've been doing and would you come along and deliver a day? It was part of the BBC Get Creative Day, I think, or that might have been a, sec- a, a separate event. Uh, but the BBC were doing like a, a national uh, kind of like push for art and creative kind of things happening. And this one was the International Mersey River Festival. And uh, so I thought, I'll take some little ducks along. <laughs> so when they fix their cyanotypes, they can be uh, little ducks bobbing around. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, you'll probably see from looking at that, you know, we've got from tourists to, you know, uh, mums and dads and their kids, up to grandma and granddad and what have you, who were uh, having a little lunch date, you know. And it was literally, I was kind of like grabbing everybody and going, get in here and make some stuff. <laughs> And um, it's amazing the kind of uh, the people you end up talking to. There was a lady who came and did uh, one of the cyanotypes, and um, turns out she's a, a history writer and uh, was doing something about um, Fox Talbot. Um, and uh, and I was like, oh, amazing connection! And obviously uh, with the, my, me having the Brewster surname and, and things as well. So Sir David Brewster is one of the pioneers, obviously, along with Fox Talbot. Um, of photography um, and it was just really nice um, to chat to her about her book that was coming out and she was like oh I've just been looking into how you mix your chemistry and, and what have you so, uh, so that was nice that she got to go away with that as well and try That's... it out. I'm really interested because uh, as aiders you know we've both got young children um, well getting less young day by day but <laughs> what have you found to be the best way or the most effective way to introduce children to this because you, you do stuff like solography and the cyanotypes and the pinhole what what do you find has really clicked with children what should i be trying to force on my children at this point uh generally i say vegetables <laughs> i've given up on that <laughs> um uh well yeah i mean really the the ones that you picked up on there um the, they're great introductions to it i think the nice thing about um being able to use Rosie as well is because you can literally go, look, this is this is all a camera is. You know, at the end of the day, 
all you need to do is step inside to a light type box. It's got a hole in one end and the rest of it's dark. And then you can actually see outside, upside down, inside here. Isn't that awesome? And they're like, what? Um, do you know what I really love is when they go, oh, wow, it's like watching it in HD. <laughs> yeah. uh, you've got a 4k caravan exactly uh, or it's like it's in color why is it in color oh my god you know that i love that it's such a fabulous reaction and it's just so um innocent and curious and and yeah and you're like i know and look what we do with this if we mix some chemicals this one with this one it makes this happen and they're like oh what so uh yeah i think that's that, uh that's what gets it for me i think that's that's, that, awesome. that's where you start yeah. I have one last question before we go to the break, because I can see something else on, in your sort of general projects thing is that you held a constructor camp, um, yeah. which is, I'm guessing by the spelling, this was built around the idea of people g making their own and using the Lomo constructor camera. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, uh, kind of one of the earlier uh, ones I started off with, I was thinking, right, well, I know I want to deliver workshops, uh, need to figure out what people are interested in. And then I thought, well, actually, uh, one of the nice parts of it is that um, people like Lomography have already created these kits, which is something that I was I was looking at doing uh, myself anyway and then doing the research I went oh these guys have already started doing it excellent so um, uh, it was that as part of the workshop when people come along and pay to do the workshop they they would obviously get the constructor camera kit but um, what I found a lot of people were going um, and doing was they were either getting bought the constructor kit as a present you know somebody goes oh you like photography or get it as a Christmas present or, or a birthday or something and, uh, and they were all like, brilliant. And then it'd sit on a shelf at home and never get built um, because they didn't really know how to or didn't really have the confidence to kind of actually open the box and get the bits and pieces out. So uh, that's for people who, who obviously like photography but maybe haven't um, had that little bit of guidance to say this is all you need to do really to get, get going with it. And, uh, and I think it is it does kind of come down to confidence, really. So I thought I'll set up Constructor Camp because it's um, a workshop that I can run where you build your camera in the morning and then I can go out and teach you how to use it and you literally go home with a working camera and knowledge of how to shoot with it. So, you know, um, that's that's quite cool for like a day, isn't it? You know, you can go home with those skills. So, yeah, so that's why I set that up. Mm -hmm. and how many people actually went home with a working camera? Because my experience with the Lomo Constructor is that you end up at the end of the day with a plastic thing, which may or may not work, depending on the mood it's in. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, there's always a disclaimer at the top, Graham, you know. Uh, we're working <laughs> Warning, with this camera is a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean... Uh, we're working with analog, we're working with film, we're working with pieces of plastic. So, you know, there are limitations to this. Um, but that's all part of the fun, surely, isn't it? You know, I think it's uh, give it a whirl. Um, the one thing I do say is take a dark bag out with you. <laughs> because if it gets jammed up, you just chuck it in that, you can fiddle around a bit, make, get it working again, and then off you go. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good advice, that is. Every time I take my Diana out, another Lomography camera, I uh, I always take a dart bag. Yeah. I mean, you can get small ones, so uh, I always take those with me. It's uh, it's not a problem. Yeah. 
I mean, there are so many things that you've been involved in. I just, anybody who uh, is sat near an internet-enabled device, go to littlevintagephotography.co.uk and just browse around. It's a, a great website, and there's so much cool stuff on there. And um, I, I, I just think what, what you're doing is so interesting, and it's, especially as you were saying, the, the STEM stuff, um, engaging people with not just with photography, but the, actually the science behind it um, yeah. is great and it's it's something that you just don't see there's so few people who are out there pushing that side of things and i think it's wonderful uh, i'm really glad that you're doing that my only reservation is that you're doing it up north not down here where i can easily <laughs> make <laughs> use of it i want my kids to be able to go to your thing and, and make oh. cool stuff oh i'd love to that'd be brilliant well well we, we've had we did have a discussion yesterday maybe i don't know if you're coming on to that at some point uh graham but um there might be other things in the pipeline uh perhaps where we branch yeah. out and don't do them in liverpool necessarily That's i mean the nice thing about having a caravan is obviously i'm a bit like a snail with a house on my back you know yes obviously. if you ever learn how to reverse with your caravan yeah. that's the only problem you have and <laughs> reverse and turn right i understand is also a problem no, no, no turn right side but i have to just do lots of rights to get left rather than reversing is what i was saying oh, I, see. <laughs> you know? I, I don't see it at all but um, i'm sure it's fine <laughs> Uh, it's when you get stuck in the one-way uh, systems that uh, it can get a little bit hairy, shall we say. Um, yeah, this I mean, it was never my kind of uh, original plan to, to get a, a caravan and go and, go and uh, do this. But, you know, needs must. Um, and uh, and I, I love it. So uh, it's great fun. But, yeah, there are some challenges behind it. <laughs> I just want to drive. I wish I could just like employ somebody to be my driver. That would be so good. I'd feel so much better then. <laughs> I could just concentrate on the cameras and not have to worry about reversing caravans and things. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Listen, uh, it, fantastic. I agree, actually. Uh, as Graham's just said, everybody should go to littlevintagephotography.co.uk uh, and, and have a look around there. It's the, There's huge amounts of stuff. Uh, it looks like loads of fun. And um, uh, I look as I look along the top, I think, well, am I going to have another wedding or am I going to have a children's party or am I going to start a school and invite you to come to that? I don't know what, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I've got to figure out a way to have a go at this myself. So, hey, whatever, whatever ideas you come up with i'm sure we can figure something out so, yeah. <laughs> excellent thank you all right so we're going to go to uh, a quick break and then when we come back we will have our usual delightful mixture of news and reviews and shouting at people and just general chit chat Right, I promised you all some discussion about pinhole photography. Uh, so here we go. Um, I think we've mentioned on the show before uh, that I backed a little while ago a Kickstarter uh, for a book of pinhole photography. Uh, and uh, I think we talked about this with Corey because Corey actually has a shot in it, doesn't he, Graham? So was it he Corey does not talk to. It was Corey. Also, I think Tina has a shot in there. So um, two she of does indeed. She does, yeah. She does indeed. So I'm going to make lots of good audio noise now. I'm going to you know, get out the old Foley kit and, and rifle through the book because I'm very excited. Actually, uh, not today, but Saturday, I think. Um, my pinhole book arrived. It says the F slash D book of pinhole. 
uh, with the editors being Keir Selinsky and Libby Duncan Selinsky. Um, they have worked really hard on this. I don't know, Graham, if you've been following the, the Kickstarter reports, um, but they, they've, they've been working really, really hard and they've got it out in really good time. So I am now the proud owner, not only of the book, which is awesome, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but my Kickstarter reward also included a print, a print by none other than Keir, uh, one of the editors. Um, and so I now have a really lovely, uh, I'd say it's 8 by 10 It's definitely printed on 8 by 10 but it's a square. <laughs> so, <laughs> But I have a square print now, beautiful blues of uh, some rocks in the foreground it's a seascape and it's one of these ones where you know with the pinhole you often get the uh, the horizon through the center of the frame because everybody mm-hmm. tries to level up their pinhole cameras uh, but in uh, and it works really well actually it's beautiful it's a beautiful print and i shall have to find a suitable frame to stick that on the wall but the book is awesome as well and you're right you are right that actually uh, tina has a shot in it and that Corey has a shot in it and um uh it's uh yeah i'm really really pleased did, did graham did you back them for something on this no i didn't i looked at it and i really wanted to but um i think at the time because it was just before it was before christmas wasn't it i can't remember exactly when it was but it, i i remember at the time looking at it going that looks really nice that is an extravagance i can't afford to spend on myself at this current moment in time um so i didn't um but i'm really glad you've got a copy how much variety is there in the style of pinhole work in there oh blimey uh that is a good question um and with, without prompting and i don't even know where to start really i mean the book is is uh is arranged into to sections uh where there's there's a you know a short introductory piece of text that describes what they're talking about but if i just read you some of the section headings uh uh, the pinhole look starts off with a little bit of a description of what pinhole photography is. Uh, then it goes through on motion and time, ultra wide, multi exposure, perspective, exploit the sun, handheld, infrared, blenders, anamorphic and bent film plane and sprockets. <laughs> That's so, a good cross section of stuff there. The, the, yeah, and the, there's there's just some amazing photography, and it's black and white and color, uh, and some that are monochrome without being black and white. If that makes sense, uh, yeah, some some sort of more sepia coloring, occasionally some slightly blue ones and things like that, uh, and so. Um, but it, you know, it's it's really nice. It's a real treat to sit back and read a book uh, that isn't all about you know uh, either capturing a decisive moment or 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 or, um something that's you know deliberately showy it's a really relaxing but nonetheless impressive book for that but it's a really relaxing book to read so um you know i I will certainly lend you my copy but uh you're uh you know anybody out there who's listening to it um if you weren't a backer of the kickstarter i'd see if you can buy yourself a copy because it's um there's some really impressive impressive work Rachel Rachel is this something that you've heard about or been tracking at all um I haven't actually got a copy of the book uh, unfortunately but it sounds wonderful how big is it because that, that covers a lot doesn't it there's, uh, there's a lot going on in that book that's about eight <laughs> inches square <laughs> no how many pages I mean, uh that's a good question because it's an art book so it doesn't actually have page numbers on it I don't think let me see if I can find you a page number it's pretty no. beefy it is it's it's so it's i tell you what so it's it's a um it's a glossy sort of uh paperback so it's 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 got good good 
good quality, good thickness of card, and it's got very glossy paper on it as, uh, that it's made of. I don't. Uh, I'd have to work it out. Maybe. <laughs> Just count every page. Is really, that well, wouldn't that wouldn't make good audio, really, would it? One, yeah, so one, two, three, twenty-nine, forty-two, about a million pages. Right. So. Oh, have asked a question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, possibly. So let me tell. So let me tell you about some of the photos in it, because I, you know, in in a good proper Ted Forbes kind of a way, I've, I've marked off some of the pages. Just and this is by no means a reflection of of uh, what I think are the best, because I haven't actually even um, finished reading it properly yet. Uh, but uh, I'll I'll just. Um, I'll just tell you about a, f a few of them, uh, so that you get a feel for it. So under the uh, one of the, the landscapes. Oh, I tell you what else. Sorry, I forgot somebody else. Uh, Lucy Wainwright is in it as well. Oh, awesome! So, yeah. So there's three people that we know uh, who yeah, are, well, who, who are in it, and one person who hasn't been on yet who definitely ought to come on. So we need to. I think we need to get, start really pursuing Lucy to try and get her to join us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really know how to sell the podcast, don't you, mate? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so photo number one for your attention uh, is is a photo called Palace Square by Pavel Appleton or Appleton, um, and it's um, uh, I don't know where one, Palace eh? Square is, but it's an enormous place. And what he's got is there's there's a there's a thing that looks a bit like Nelson's Column with a thing that looks a bit like uh, Saint Petersburg palaces in the background. But he's taken it with the sun directly behind the middle of the column. So it's sort of in the shadow. So what you've got is a shadow racing out of the photograph towards you. But all of these buildings in the background and the column with the statue on it is, is in silhouette. Uh, it works really, really well, actually, because um, you can imagine with a pinhole, if the sun was actually in it, you might have some fairly, uh, fairly drastic impact on it, on it, mightn't you? So, yeah, that's that's one. And that's it. That's in black and white um and uh it's got you know so because it's obviously bright sun so it's blue blue sky but uh uh but with a little cloud floating by and a little cloud's a little bit blurry which suggests to me that there might have been a a, a short while of uh, on the exposure if not uh uh um uh, a very high wind for the cloud so that that's that's awesome and he's managed to get it so that there's no people visible really in the square just a couple in the far distance and I think uh, it's snow because the the ground looks quite white as well. So it might be a, a wintry day, but a sun, a sunny winter's day uh, with snow on the ground. So it's quite a light coloured photograph as well. Yeah, to in contrast to the the silhouette of the column. So that's that's awesome. Uh, there is another one called Harry and the Thief, uh, directed by Sigrid Gilmer, uh, which is actually a long exposure of a theatrical show so it's a stage show where the set in the background is all perfectly exposed and nice and in the middle um is a a fog of where all the actors in this in this play have been moving around um, and it's really colorful because it's got theatrical lighting uh so it's got purples and greens and yellows in it and and that's awesome uh, and that's by uh aaron amod sorry to anybody who uh whose name i might accidentally uh mispronounce um but that that yeah so that that's another example there's one of a uh, a building that i know is right beside the tate modern in london it's a very angular almost sort of yeah um 
pyramid type structure uh, it's simply called Pinhole Panopolis 3 by Richard Davies but that's an exercise in contrast and texture as much as anything else I think again maybe a, a reasonable length of exposure because it looks like there's some blurred out clouds in the background but you've got different faces of this building that are all at different angles that are, are, are lit or, or in shadowed in different ways um, so yeah and then the last one I mentioned just for now um, is uh, there's also a section on solography which is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago I think Graham isn't it yes yes I can't uh, we'll talk about Dave and his failure to do his project I think was how that came up well okay fair enough so uh, I really am going to get this first name around I think it's Saba Kovacs and it's just called 45 Day Solography. And the composition of it is just awesome. So there's a, a small uh, aeroplane uh, on, on the ground uh, and uh, you know, in, in the middle of, in the middle of a, a, what looks to be a sort of six by seven ratio image. And uh, there's a tree on the left hand side. But what's happened is, is that um, the paths of the sun that are etched in through the solography just form an, an archway above the plane. Um, I don't really know how else to describe it other than that. So you've got the plane has a sort of green background where obviously the sun has, has etched its way into the paper and had an effect on the chemicals. And you've got those uh, those light trails, which I, I now recently have learned are artifacts on, on photographic paper of the sun. Um, but they just frame the plane in an awesome way, both in lighting and the lines drawing around it. Um, and so, you know, there's some, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome stuff. And there's, you know, uh, the, it's just amazing. Um, Corey has one and we talked with Corey a lot about infrared photography and Corey's one is an infrared one of, uh, of some trees. Uh, and Tina's one is one of her, um, light paintings, one where she's had a long exposure of an indoor arena, uh, where people are moving around with lights. Um, and so, you know, um, I, I, I could talk about this for another hour um which possibly wouldn't be the most exciting podcast in the world given that nobody else can see it um so i tell you what we people should go i let me let me see if there is a website address that people can direct people to there must be mustn't there there but must do you know be. Are, are, are they selling copies of this now or is it only did they only print enough for kickstarter backers i don't know the answer to that actually I don't know to the answer to that, but I have found the little bit of paper in the box that says go to f slash d dot com. That's letter F, then the word slash, then the letter D uh, dot com. And uh, we'll find out now that lo loads of the stuff that I've just been talking about so graphically is actually on the website for people who want to look along. Let's have a look, shall we? Oh, no, I spelt it wrong. How could you spell slash wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Guns and Roses. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Okay, so yes, f slash d dot com, and uh, there's a whole website now um, with lots and lots of posts actually to it, uh, lots and lots of articles and posts. So uh, I wasn't aware of that actually until right now. Um, so yeah, wow. Okay, good stuff. And uh, you know, everybody should go and have a look at that because uh, there's some some good good images on there so Aid, i have to ask this book clearly you are very much in love with it has it inspired you at all to get involved with pinholes because that's something you've never really wanted to try out so has seeing this book it has actually 
um, it is quite an inspiring book. Uh, and I see, you know, I, I deliberately see uh, a lot of photographs. I, I you know, photo- photography is my hobby, but I read books, I read uh, news feeds on the internet, and I, and I study stuff. And a lot of photography that I see, I don't find inspiring. Um yeah, you know, uh, it's in fact I was flicking through my Instagram stream the other day and th- thinking to myself, do you know, I, I I I'm I'm over Instagram for a bit, <laughs> but you know, last week you did sound a little bit down about it in general, like a, a little bit uninspired. I think was was generally the sort of like feeling. Uh, have you have you ever had a go at the uh, uh, indisposable concept ideas and things like that either? I just wondered if just sort of throw that in there. <laughs> no, I haven't actually. And you're right. I was like, I definitely was sounding last week. Or I was feeling last week that I needed a change. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to do some of that. Um, I got my Bronica out at the weekend actually for the first time in quite a while, and that was good fun to to to, to shoot with that. Just just looking through the viewfinder of that make it makes you realise how wonderful photography can be. But no, this book did this this pinhole book actually. I'm not you get. I'm not. I don't think a, a make-it-yourself kind of pinhole person. I'm more a sort of borrow Graham's undo and do that sort of thing, I think. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think, um, yeah, I think I would like to try pinhole photography, actually. Um, and it's, seeing as this year I've bought a tripod for the first time, actually, as well, There's the, you know, I, I don't really have any excuses. It is the perfect time. Is pinhole photography, because I know you obviously you got Rosie as a camera obscura. Um, and actually, now that I come to think it, I know I've seen pictures. You are an on-do owner as well, aren't you, Rachel? I am. I am. I kick-started that um, for uh, the second model. Uh, I think they'd already brought one out. And then I saw that they, they were doing a Kickstarter for uh, their Mark II, shall we say? So, yeah. uh, so I was I was straight on that. I was like, brilliant! This is this is exactly the kind of thing that um, I was after, and uh, it's one that I'll um, uh, that I I use quite regularly. It's nice because I've got the Ilford camera uh, obscura, as they call it, the uh, the sort of slight larger five by four inch paper negative box. Yeah. Well, also obviously use it on the uh, film as well. Um, so uh, I've got that, and then I thought, right, get on the on-do and, and, and pick up one of those. So uh, so that's that kind of is lovely because you can just put that in your pocket. You know, it goes everywhere with you, so that's been really good. Yep. That's very cool. So, I mean, this is the perfect time, Aid, for you to be wanting to get into this, isn't it? Because, I mean, it's all hitting at exactly the right moment because this at the end of this month, it is uh, World Pinhole Photography Day, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is uh, April the thirtieth, if I remember correctly, um, and I, I know I remember correctly because I was looking at one of Rachel's Twitter posts the other day that said that uh, Rachel, you're running a, a World Pinhole Day event, I think, aren't you? Yes. So I thought to tie in with it uh, this year, I would uh, I'd run one of my Pinhole to Pinterest is what I call it uh, workshops as a full day, um, and uh, basically we'll be looking at all sorts of different analog. Uh, processes from cyanotypes and things like that to making pinhole viewers and pinhole camera out of various different things using things like my Ondo and the Ilford camera obscura and then printing up the paper negatives or building the spy enlarger that I have uh, that you can build from a suitcase and then printing them up from that so I kind of wanted to uh, to tie it in with a, a nice sort of worldwide event and uh, give people an opportunity to come along and have a little bit of a 
hopefully be a little bit inspired to do something like that so it's lovely to hear how how much happier you sound <laughs> this well, thank, thank you very much it always, it always <laughs> comes back around again i don't i don't think this ever uh, so far at least anyway since i took up photography there hasn't been a time where i've walked away from it completely for ages but then you know, i mean just sitting there having i mean it helps you know, uh you know, being being nice and sunny and being out and about and being a bit more pleasant rather than having to stop in a howling gale, you know, to, to take a photograph. So that helps. But, you know, having had, um, you know, having picked up this book now and seeing the, the quality of the work in it, which is which is awesome. I mean, there's even aerochrome stuff in there, you know, and, and it's um, it's yeah, it it. it really did make me want to to pick up a a pinhole camera so so graham what have you got that you can lend me or send me or gift me or <laughs> not <laughs> build me send... not build me i want a proper camera if i'm gonna have a, if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it with a proper camera uh, i think you probably ought to borrow the ondo at some point then because i mean that seems like the, the best way to get into it because it's something that's going to be nice it's going to be nice to use and i think that's as with any camera it's um getting something that you enjoy using is the first hurdle to get over um on the, sort of, on the flip side of that whilst we're talking about pinhole photography i want to remind people about the little competition that um, we slash I decided we were going to have relating to world pinhole photography day which uh was it's not a competition about having the best photo. I want people to make the most interesting pinhole camera that they can. Because this is what I love about pinhole photography is that all you need is a light tight box and a tiny hole and you can make a picture. And I think that is amazing. Um, and it, it's, it's not difficult and you can make them from matchboxes and biscuit tins and Pringle tubes and all sorts of things. So I want people to get out there and just have a go at making them. And it doesn't matter whether they end up making the best quality pictures in the world. It's just about doing them. And whichever one is the, the most, I don't know, we'll, we'll we'll have a panel of informed judges look at it and pick which one. Um, I've been thinking about this myself this week, trying to think about what, what am I going to build this year? Because in some ways, the fact that it can, just needs to be a light tight box is great, but then you think, oh, but you're going to end up with essentially a box that's light tight. And I thought back to one of my go to inspirations, and I know I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but it was possibly a long, long time ago. Um, is a photographer who uh, I'm actually going to try very quickly to um, Google this now whilst I talk about it, but it's um, a photographer over in China who used a roast duck um as a <laughs> uh, as a camera this one, this one again <laughs> uh, because i mean how can you how can you move past that uh yeah here we go how to make a pinhole camera out of a duck um so uh here we go the guy's name is martin chung um, which end of the duck just so that we can give people a sensitivity point. <laughs> <laughs> well it's a roast duck it's it's a a plucked and cooked roast duck um and yeah he basically <laughs> He buys roast duck. There's an article on him uh, on CNN about this whole thing. Anyway, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm not going to make a camera out of a roast duck. So, so, so what I'm going to do, uh, and don't ask me about the exact details, but I'm going to make a camera out of some sort of fruit or vegetable as my homage <laughs> to this duck camera. So exactly my plan as well. This is what I was like. Right, I've got an idea for what I'm going to do. So cool. uh, yeah, we good. can have a 
a vegetable pinhole camera off. <laughs> this is very exciting. And anybody else who wants to join in the fruit or vegetable pinhole camera off in in honour of Martin Chung's roast duck camera. Um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be great. <laughs> How could it possibly fail? Um, I think we may uh, have identified our first spin-off for the, this franchise, <laughs> for, for the world domination you know, podcast network. Ah, so yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, very excited about that. But yes, but for you, Aid, I think perhaps the Ondu might be a better bet. But yeah, so um, guys, get to thinking about uh, what what you don't have to make your camera out of fruit or vegetables, but it would be pretty cool if you did. Um, but just yeah, out of whatever, and share them on Instagram or on Twitter, and just um, tag us on there with Sunny Sixteen Podcast or at us at Sunny Sixteen Podcast so we can see them, um, or share them on Flickr or email them to us or whatever you want to do. I just want to see what you guys are making for World Pinhole Photography Day this year because it's just so much fun. It's just good dumb fun. Okay. Oh dear. How do we follow that? <laughs> well, I mean, I think the cheap shots challenge update follows on perfectly from good dumb fun. I think you might be right. Okay. All right. So we do have some cheap shots challenge updates uh, today, I believe. Um, Graham, do you want to go first? I do. Well, I, I want to talk about the stuff that I've seen on Instagram. Uh, there are two people so far that I have seen sharing stuff with the Cheap Shots Challenge hashtag. Um, Cole Miller shared some photos today. He has been sharing pictures that he's taken with his original Cheap Shots camera, which is the Polaroid camera he picked up. And he's taken so actually used his Polaroid picture to take some whilst he's been out earning money at a wedding gig. So that's very good. Um, some really nice black and white pictures, you know, usual uh, impossible film style of a bit faded and all over the place. But that's the joy of impossible project film. But it's worth noting that Cole has come to the realization that to keep using his Polaroid is not going to be a very cheap shots challenge camera because the film is you know 16 17 quid a shot so he bought today a new camera for the cheap shots challenge and um eight i think you'll be impressed with his purchase for all the wrong reasons he <laughs> he managed to pay 10 pounds for a plastic panoramic camera <laughs> thoughts on that aid sorry uh i don't know hang on did i see this earlier on instagram is this one of these um ones that used to come free free off uh uh, off a magazine cover that you gave me at least one of, if not two of, and I hated. Yes, that that's exactly the one. Yes, <laughs> the one that has a net net value of approximately twenty five p. Oh I'm, no, Carl! What have you done, Carl? <laughs> no, no, Carl! No. I approve strongly of Cole's choice to buy a one pound um, plastic panoramic camera, even if he did accidentally buy it for ten pounds. I. <laughs> For the London prices, I guess, um, but it's a, that, that camera. <laughs> but that camera is the epitome of a cheap shots challenge camera because there is nothing cheaper and nastier than that. So I'm a big fan of that. So um, that's true. There, there is nothing. Yeah, I mean, it really is a, a a small plastic box with a button on the top. Yep, it's great. 
the other person whose pictures have been shared under the Cheap Shots Challenge um, hashtag for the show are by Zach underscore ribbing, and that's Z A Ski Z A Ski <laughs> Z A C underscore ribbing. And the reason I'm making that clear on Instagram is because you have to go and see these pictures, people, because we were looking at them during the break time and we were all just in hysterics, frankly, because they are a, a great set of portraits. Um, yeah, of sort of horse traits. Um, it, it seems a shame in some ways to spoil what they are, but I feel, I feel we kind of need to. Um, Zach has gone off into the mountains and I'm not sure whether he's, we, we think these might be self-portraits, but we're not entirely sure. But either way, um, they are a scene of sort of idyllic um, Western sort of the cowboy rough and tumble lifestyle portraits uh, of, of a man with a horse's head and a hat. Um, words <laughs> cannot convey how great these photos are. Uh, I, Zach, Thank you. It's it's moments like this that just make me so glad we came up with this dumb idea in the first place to, to get results like that. Um, yeah, they're wonderful. Everyone should check those out. You'll know when you found them. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're pictures of a man out in the wilderness of Arizona with a horse's head on. <laughs> it's hard to miss them. They're actually really good as well. Like the, it, technically, they look. They look great, don't they? You know, uh, they don't look uh, particularly Holger-esque, etc. You know, they uh, they actually look all the no. That's the thing that they're great. I think he 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 shot them with a Minolta XGA SLR that he found for four dollars. Um, but yeah, the, the picture quality is absolutely fantastic. You know, they're as good as any just straight portrait could be, whilst being a man with a horse's head in a variety of humorous poses. Um, what's not to like? So, in the hang on a second, Chiri. Kahwa Chiri Chiri Chikiwawa in the in the Bum Chikiwawa Mountains. So yeah, great. Um so check out both of those, Cole's Polaroid and Zach's uh wonderful set of horses head pictures. And I hope that we're gonna see some more soon. Um Aid, have you actually got an update of what you've been up to with yours? I do. Uh I do. I actually have a portrait session booked for tomorrow evening after work. Um, and I am fully intending to shoot my cheap shots camera, but slight spanner in the works. I think I may have broken it. <laughs> no. No. What have you done? Well, I picked it up to put some film in it this morning, and uh, the the battery cover popped up, popped off, and it's it's got a sort of metal screw in battery cover, and the batteries and a couple of metal pieces, small, really small metal pieces, like bounced all over the living room. Oh, and uh and i found them at least i think i found them all um uh but i couldn't get it back together so i'm so i'm uh i'm gonna have to struggle with that one a little bit i think and uh, uh i'm gonna have to find some way of fixing it i don't think tape would be strong enough i think there'd be too much bend in some tape so i don't know quite what i'm gonna do with that um maybe uh so what was it that what, what was it that won the uh the cell the the sunnies awards graham for the best photographic accessory was it rubber bands no, rubber bands came up second to masking tape. I think masking tape, a decent masking tape, might do it. You might have to put a few layers on, but yeah, it's because it's sprung, you see, because it's a because ba- it's a battery, uh, yeah, hold, it, it, a battery 
uh, thing space that it's it's sprung on the inside to keep the batteries connected so i'm going to struggle so at the moment i've put i have put some film in my uh my secondary cheap shots challenge camera so i figured so what, what hang on what is this secondary cheap shot what what, the, what is this a, a new contender well it's no it's it's one i've uh it's one that's come from, from uh, my drawer full of cameras actually this is my pentax auto 110 all right so it has a lot of similarities to the vitaret it ha it's entirely automatic uh, apart from the focusing, which is manual, which is different, um, you even get you get even less choice of aperture because the Vitaret had two apertures. Uh, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> the Pentax only has one, and I don't even know what that is. Um, it still shoots 110 film, of course, and it will still expose it 100 uh, 100 ISO, even though it's 200 ISO film. So it's as close as I could get with a camera that I already owned as a substitute. I will try and fix the Vitaret. I think it. I just didn't have enough time. Uh, this morning before I went to work uh, to to do that and give it give it time to sort it out. So um, I I'm not saying that I have broken the Vitaret, but I'm not saying that I haven't broken <laughs> yeah. it either. <laughs> well, I think I think the Pentax is a reasonable substitution because although it's a, a better camera in some ways, um, you're still completely hobbled by using 110 film. Well, um, I am, Rachel... and, and and actually, it's even, it, in some ways, it's worse, because it's only got one aperture, it doesn't have a hot shoe, and so so when we come around to, like, f you know, um, flash photography and stuff like that, then I'll, I'll, I won't have an ability to do that. The other thing uh, is that um, it did only cost me about £15, so it was in the right budget area as well, so I don't feel like I've suddenly swapped it for like a £100 camera or something. I was concerned you were going to say that your backup cheap shots challenge camera was your Bronica or something, and I was going to cry foul then. Um, <laughs> Rachel, do you have a cheap shots camera? Um, there isn't one that I have um, specifically said it's this one, but uh, I was looking at my <laughs> at my collection earlier and going, hmm, yes, which one shall I narrow it down to? So um, I have a really lovely, when I say lovely, that's, you know, subjective, obviously, um, but it's bright red and it's called Franca. Um, and I think it's from early 80s. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a full-on sort of like um, slidey front kind of thing. You've got two options. <laughs> 100 ISO or 400 ISO and that's your lot basically so this sounds uh, perfect it sounds uh, crap and perfect I strongly it, approve of this choice <laughs> from the charity shop so I think we should be good with the uh with the budget as well hopefully so yeah that's great well for, for your benefit just in case you don't remember and for anybody else who has forgotten or wasn't listening um the point of the Cheap Shots Challenge contest, con, contest petition is to um, to pick up a, a camera for uh, around £20 or 27 Actually, it's about £20 or $20 at the moment. The exchange rate is so bad. Um, but pick up a cheap camera and some film and to try and get the best pictures you can out of it on the given topic at the time. And the topic that is currently going is portraits so it's a it's one that i think anybody can get involved with and get pictures of um and uh, i hopefully will see more shots soon i know that uh, dave has got some pictures which hopefully we'll get around to sharing soon um although they're pictures of me and their double exposures and i don't think they're going to be very flattering if they come out at all um 
but any of you in a monkey <laughs> uh, no, no although i think it did try to get with me talking out of my own backside so you know let's see how that comes out <laughs> Um, but yeah, as I said before, just share them on Instagram or Twitter or on Flickr and just tag us so that we can know them and be aware of them. And then at some point, either at the end of the month or in early May, we will get somebody to come on and look at the pictures and judge them and, and judge minor nades. And, um, and it's all just good fun. And, um, and it's always great seeing what people do with having spent very, very little money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always good fun. Right, so I think that probably brings us close to the end of our show for today. Um, one thing we haven't done, though, is is focus on all of the various different areas of the internet where uh, you, people can get in touch with Rachel. So we talked about Rachel's website. Uh, remind us what that is, Rachel. Uh, sure, it's uh, littlevintagephotography.co.uk. Okay, great, thank you. And where else can people go and see your work? Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, it's Little Vintage Photography One UK, or on Facebook with the same uh, ending as well. So yeah, I'm on. Uh, also on Twitter, I'm R E Brewster B R E W S T E R. So uh, come along and uh, follow us. That'll be lovely. Um, there's also the Pinhole to Pinterest um, event that I'm doing as part of the Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day, and that's also on the Worldwide pinhole photography um site itself it's .org i believe <clears throat> yeah it is actually i have the url for that and i'll read it out uh because we don't always publish our show notes in a particularly <laughs> timely fashion and there's only a couple <laughs> of weeks before this one actually kicks off so it is pinholeday.org and then it's slash events uh and uh, the uh, the uh, after that it's slash question mark id equals 3542 so it seems that your your event there rachel is, is event number 3542 on the org website lovely um yes uh, or if they if they go onto the events part of it and type in liverpool i'll probably come up <laughs> ah, well that's possibly an easier way of doing it yes <laughs> save me reading out long technical urls on the show okay so uh graham is there anybody that you'd like to shout out to this week i've been quite disorganized this week so i'm going to give a very random or not very random shout out it's a bit of complete nepotism um months ago somebody said oh uh about playing guitar and i made you play guitar on the show because i was too much of a wimp to do it if anybody would like to hear my and it is bad but my <laughs> guitar playing efforts um i would uh, ask you to check out the very first ever song and there's a video on youtube and i edited the video myself so you know my video editing is right up there with my guitar playing for the band the jam sharks which is my two young sons band um uh, and you can actually hear me playing a bit of guitar in that. Uh, and um, yeah, that, that's what I'm going to give a shout out to. Look at my kids' video. It's uh, pretty great. They're awesome. I, I suck. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? I know. Hey, that sounds brilliant. Uh, yeah, I know you guys have a lot of fun doing that, don't you? So. Yeah, we did. Uh, learning to edit video, it, it gave me a real appreciation for it. It must be like trying to edit this podcast every week. Like, oh, this is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, cool. Thank you. Well, yeah, everybody go look at that too. So I've got just the one shout out this week and it's, well, I say just the one. I got embroiled in a little Twitter conversation this week, um, which nearly led to me buying lots and lots of cameras. So a special thanks uh, to Sandeep, uh, known on Twitter as at Give Me a Biscuit uh, and on uh, Instagram as filmphotography.london. Uh, so thank you to San, thank you to Sandeep. Thank you to uh, Tim Dobbs and uh, one, one or two other people who've been trying to get me to upgrade, uh, buy more Nikon cameras, which yeah. let's face it, buying more Nikon cameras is not a bad thing, but... Uh, I really can, am trying to really am trying to focus on not buying more cameras at the moment. So uh, you can never have enough cameras. Eh? You know that, uh, Rachel. Have you got any shout outs you'd like to make? You know, I, I do. I, how many can I do? <laughs> how fast can you talk? Eight. Okay. Set the clock. Start the clock. <laughs> All right. So um, I was going to start with John Brewer actually, because he uh, he's the guy who I went and did my wet plate photography um, workshop with. He is on Instagram as at the underscore Victorian underscore photographer and he does wonderful stuff with Collodion. Um, <clears throat> so I thoroughly recommend John. Um, there's also um, uh, the at Cool Girl Shoot Film and at Ladies Who Shoot Film. And I love the stuff that um, Save Family Photos do as well. So obviously we talk, oh, you guys talk a lot about um, analog photography in terms of the cameras and obviously the photography itself is I know what you focus on um sometimes it's nice to, I think to go and see how um people who aren't necessarily within that industry um look at these these images that we take as well so I really like say family photos because there's always a little bit of history and a story behind it and uh, and I'm really interested in in the, both those things so um, you could check those out on Instagram as well. Um, and there's also the, um, sorry, the Collodion Collective. Again, they do uh, wet plate uh, and they're USA based, I, I think, in, over in New York. So um, those are people like, oh, oh, there was also um, along the lines of um, the horse head <laughs> um, shots for the Cheap Shot Challenge. Um, Kev, who came along and did uh, one of my pinhole to Pinterest workshops, um, and he does quite a lot of uh, interesting Android and experimental stuff. Um, he is at Beeble Bear, which is B E B L E Bear B E A R. Um, so uh, go and have a little look at that. It's uh, people wearing animal masks and all sorts of fun, creepy, weird stuff. It's great fun. So yeah, there we go. That's a great selection of recommendations there. <laughs> As it, yes, a, a, a fine selection of recommendations. Thank you. Okay, well, I suppose then we should uh, you know, uh, sign out of the show uh, by mentioning our own places on the internet. You can get in touch with us at Sunny16Podcast on Instagram, where you will find Graham mucking about, unless he's outsourced it for the week to somebody else. I think, uh, uh, which you've just done, actually, haven't you, for a few days? Yep, Josh did a fantastic job. He shared some great images on the on the Instagram feed this week, and um, uh, I'm hoping that Rachel is going to take over <laughs> for this next week because delegation—that's what it needs. <laughs> Ambush. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> uh, on Twitter, uh, it, it's me, and I'm a bit of a control freak, so I tend to do the Twitter thing all on my own. Uh, so you'll you'll end up probably in in some rather convoluted conversations about photography, whiskey, and not buying too many cameras with me on Twitter. If you'd care to join in, uh, we have mentioned our Flickr group today, actually, and I have had a quick look at it, and I noticed that there's quite a few people posted in it. So, uh, Sunny Sixteen podcast Flickr group uh, right now up to 55 members with 679 photographs in uh, so there's definitely uh, stuff to look at there and there's some there's some awesome stuff comes through actually so thank you everybody who's who's continuing to share there uh, last but not least um, never least you can email us sunny16podcast at gmail.com I haven't seen graham doing his i've received an email dance this week so i'm guessing uh, we're back to normal on that one are we oh you know you're right aid but just bear with one second caller you may have to put a brief pause in here because i just remembered something that i did see that i then forgot to write down because i'm a bad human being um we got an itunes review Whoa, uh, wow. which is a, a, as good as an email but i just need to find it very quickly because it was in the states i'm sure Oh, incidentally, whilst we're um, uh, plugging things in place, you can find us. um, Pixelatedphotographer.com. That's 404ing at the moment, so maybe don't go there right now. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, uh, it's never a good thing. Um, Especially seeing it's where we host our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that seems to be okay. Um, So fingers crossed, this is a brief thing. Um, Yes, we have got iTunes review. So I want to say a very big thank you to Blemon40 for a very nice um, iTunes review on the US iTunes store. It is very much appreciated. Um, It's one of the things I know that it's a pain in the neck leaving reviews because it means going onto iTunes and doing all that. But it does help us get found by a few more people. Um, and it's not as if we're advertising in any other way, shape or form. So uh, just, it's always really nice. And it makes us feel good to read these things. I don't know whether you ever click on to read the reviews, aid, but if ever you're feeling low, go and have a look because people write very nice things. And it's really appreciated. I read them all and I'm always grateful. Fair enough. I can get through to Pixated Photographer to the forums, actually. So... Um... I think oh, if weird. there was if there was a server outage, then uh, that's possibly it was a, or thankfully it was a temporary one. So uh, yes, we should always say as we do every week. Thank you very much to Chris who runs Pixelated Photographer. He hosts our podcast and he hosts the forums where we do indulge in longer form conversations, uh, especially actually about the uh, the cheap shot challenge and all the various different adventures there. So please go there too. Uh, we always say thank you to Bill Owens uh, for our show notes. How are we doing on the show notes, Graham? Are we up to date? I'd rather not talk about the show notes at this current moment in time. Okay. Uh, well, listeners, make of that what you will. And uh, last but not least, of course, Kevin McLeod, who uh, makes lots and lots of weird and wonderful and crazy and delightful incidental music. You can find all of that, including the stuff that we use, on the website incompetech.com, which is kevin's website and he licenses all his work under creative commons so as long as you give the attributes what we have just done right here uh it's free to use uh, which is fantastic thank you kevin okay that brings us to the end of the show rachel it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show i hope you've enjoyed yourself oh i have it's been lovely thank you very much sorry it's been a bit garbled from my end but uh it's been lovely to chat to you guys thank you 
No worries, no worries. You'll have to come again. Graham, it's been um, business as usual to have you on the show. <laughs> that seems less flattering, I'm going to be honest. Well, you know, it could have said worse. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now, as always, good to chat to you, mate. Right, uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen of our listening audience. Uh, We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Here's an extra thing that we found out today about our guest, Rachel. She's in a band, actually a really, really good band. They're called Roha, and this is their song, The Evil Stands High, to play us out today. Enjoy. In a little whisper, a twinkle in your ears Just enough to nurture the summer of our fears it's my governance that keeps us dry It's my governance that makes you blind It takes a tease to no one I'm showing all my flesh Sugar for your sequence The colors in your hair And my governance will get you by Received in the